it's episode 74. Welcome to the Johnny Ross Fractional CMO Podcast. I'm here with Faisal Siddiqui today, the founder and strategist of Creative Business Company. We're going to be talking about why you can't scale profitability using performance marketing alone. We dive into brand positioning, marketing strategy, advertising effectiveness, and how you can get the impact of a TV campaign for a fraction of the cost. Keep listening because towards the end of the podcast, we talk about brand positioning frameworks and how you can stretch your budget further by pooling production costs and creating a year's worth of ads in one go. This confirms brand is just as important as return on investment. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome. This is Johnny Ross, Fractional CMO. We are live on LinkedIn, we're live on YouTube, we're live on Facebook. You may be listening on the podcast, and it's brilliant that you're here. I am here with Faisal Siddiqui. How are you? I'm very good, Johnny. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine, thanks. Thanks so much for joining me. You're over in uh, Canada at the moment. You are the uh, founder and strategist of the Creative Business Company, uh, and we're going to be talking about why you can't scale profitability using performance marketing alone. We're going to be talking about a lot about brand and how important brand is, or is brand important at all? I mean, that is a good question. Um, but uh, uh, Faisal, just give us a, a tiny bit of background, how you got into this. You've worked with some some very large, well-known uh, companies as well. Uh, Royal Dutch Shell, ABB Formula E, um, Samsung, Anglo-American, the list is uh, endless, Turkish Airlines. But tell us, tell us a tiny bit about how you got into this. Uh, the short answer is by accident. So I, I was, <laughs> that's, I was young. that's always the best answer as well. <laughs> yeah, there's 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 no plan. There's no master plan at all. It was all it was all I stumbled into everything. But um, the short answer is I was a young undergrad in Canada. I was doing marketing. I got really into the world of advertising. I didn't quite know the difference between brand consulting and say advertising. And I applied for an internship at a. Uh, in a, at a brand firm in London called Fig Tree. And uh, they made the uh, mistake of, a, of allowing me to come over. And I, I, I flew over, did my internship and stayed there ever since. Um, and Fig Tree was eventually bought by Profit. Profit is a more uh, blue chip management uh, consultancy style brand consultancy. It was started by David Aker and Scott Galloway. And, um, and so I, I, I built my chops there. And then four years ago, I did the stereotypical thing, which is I met another Canadian at work. Uh, we got married and then we moved back to Canada and I started my own firm. <laughs> Brilliant. I love the uh, end of that story as well. Uh, so so in marketing right now, um, across many organizations, it's all about accountability and it's all about numbers but it's all about return on investment. And what I want to explore today is, of course, a return on investment is important. Of course, profitability is important. But is that the only thing for marketing departments to be challenged on and focused on? And how important is some of the more, what we might call, fluffy side of marketing? 
Yeah, I, th I think the way you post it is really is 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 really correct. So the answer is we think all parts of marketing should be accountable and should be impactful. But I think the kicker is what do you measure and across what time horizon? And I think that when you use one size fit all metrics um, that were proffered and, and created by uh, large media networks like your Googles and your Facebooks, brand marketing will always come across as a bit fluffy and a bit of a waste of time and not as efficient in converting demand. Um, but what we argue is that uh, we need different ways of measuring it. And increasingly, um, brands that do ignore that top of the funnel uh, do so at their peril and struggle to scale profitably. Yeah, I am I mean, I know working with many organizations, perhaps we've got uh, some head of brand listening right now or, or, uh, or even head of marketing that have had experience with performance marketing. Uh, perhaps they are fully aware of that internal battle between different departments of what is important and where's the return and, and, and where's the evidence that this particular thing is working. And what are the dangers of just going for performance marketing alone? What's the, the you know, what's the, the danger of, of purely going down that road? The, the, the main danger is that you'll, be, you'll go bankrupt <laughs> or you'll never be profitable. And if you think about most DTC firms like Allbirds, Warby Parker, none of these companies are, are profitable, even Casper. And one of the reasons why, uh, well, even the former CEO of Bonobos, who birthed the DTC uh, movement, his name's Andy Dunn, he says the business model is broken. Why is that? Well, about a decade ago, all of these brands grew and drove a lot of initial acquisition using performance marketing. So what is performance marketing? It is highly targeted direct response ads that are flighted to people who are ready to buy. And the great thing about that was that they could drive a lot of customers. It was relatively cheap per ad, but things have changed. And the reason why performance marketing is no longer um, this great silver bullet is three reasons. First of all, it breaks the bank and it's become more expensive. And why has it become more expensive? I think what your listeners need to know is at the heart of performance marketing, it has a hidden flaw. And the hidden flaw is that it's based on an auction-based bidding system. So in any auction-based bidding system, these things are prone to inflation, right? So if you think about 10 years ago when there were fewer performance marketers and there was far less competition, bidding competition that is, the, the cost per ads were a lot lower. Now, when there are more brands in the category, when you're competing in a red ocean, I, in brand A, is competing with every other brand for specific keywords. That's what the auction-based bidding system is. You're bidding for keywords. So when people say, if I'm trying to sell shampoo, when people type in shampoo, I want my ad to show up first. That costs money and I'm competing with other brands in the category for that place. So what's happened is um, that is, 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 is prone to bid inflation in the same way that if you try to buy a ticket to a holiday at, uh, to Cancun, um, I don't know, in, at a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a time period of high demand, you're going to pay more money. So it's the exact same concept. So the cost of ads have gone up is the first reason. The second reason is that you're also prone to a lot of the shifts within the platform itself. So now let's think about GDPR. So what has GDPR basically uh, entailed or, or what is the implication for performance marketing as well? You cannot uh, 
you cannot pull cookies. So you can't actually target ads as accurately as you once used to be able to do. And so what happens is with performance marketing, you essentially need more time. You need more, you need more ads to land the same return as you used to say a decade ago. So it's, so fundamentally this auction based bidding system has created inflated pricing. And so the cost per ads, cost per clicks has nearly doubled over the last decade. And so what's happening is, it's when companies are putting all of their marketing budget just through the performance marketing cha channel, their cost of acquisition is completely through the roof and they're paying more money to acquire a customer than the lifetime value of the customer itself. That's, 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 um, that's reason number one. There's two more reasons, but do you want to go into that or should I keep on going? No, no, no. I think, yeah, keep going for me. So, so, so yeah, I, in fact, I thought you gave two reasons there, but perhaps it was A and B of, uh, yeah, yeah, of number exactly. one. <laughs> my, my annotation of my points was a bit fuzzy, but that was a one A and so, one B. So, so, so that was around, one is, that was around auction. Exactly. So the first reason is that it's more expensive. The second reason is that when you're putting all of your money into performance marketing, you're only targeting customers who are active in the category. Why is that the case? So if you think about the auction-based bidding system, you're bidding for keywords that, are, that, that serve as an indication that someone's kind of warm, they're ready to buy. So going back to the shampoo example, they're probably typing in, you know, what's the best shampoo for someone with this type of hair or that type of hair? I wouldn't know that because I'm bald. Bad example. <laughs> so by virtue of, of, of the fact that you are targeting to people who are currently um, active in the category, one of the challenges with that is that you're not, you're not actually serving ads. You're not building your brand with people who aren't ready to buy. And here's where the kicker is. So, there's a great statistic coming out of the Ehrenberg Bass Institute uh, from Australia. Everyone knows Byron Sharp, how brands grow, but there's another great professor there, Professor John Dawes. And he has a great statistic called the 95-5 rule. And what does the 95-5 rule say? The 95-5 rule says that over the lifetime of a brand's uh, journey or, 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 or its existence, 95% of its revenue will come from customers who are not actively shopping the category right now. So what does that mean? They don't have a need. They might not even know about your brand, but they could do so in the future. Now, if you're putting all of your money into performance marketing, which is essentially competing at the point of purchase when someone is ready to buy, why? Because they're typing things on the internet and your ads are hitting at them. You're not actually actively building your brand with people before they're ready to buy. And, and that's incredibly expensive. And, 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 and more importantly, you're, you're, you're missing the bigger picture. You're not actually building your brand with your total addressable market. So that's reason number two. And then which, reason number... Uh, which, is, which is why, I guess, the likes of, you know, even McDonald's, huge, huge uh, organ worldwide organization, are constantly advertising, always advertising. You always hear or see McDonald's adverts. And, I, and, and that's proof... I guess, you know, if, if someone the likes of McDonald's are, are constantly advertising, it, they are pushing the brand. They're not, it, they're not waiting for that convert. Well, absolutely. And I think the brilliant thing about that is when you, when one, you use media that interrupts people, first of all. And so wastage is actually good. That's the actual name of the game. 
is when you actually interrupt people, then you can land your brand with people who A, are not ready to buy. And the reason you want to do that is that when they are ready to buy, your brand is top of mind. So they actually don't go through the whole search process. They go to you directly. So with McDonald's, you've seen the big back commercial so many times. When you're feeling like fast food, you just go to McDonald's. And that's the brilliance about uh, traditional brand marketing. Now, some of traditional brand marketing was, was, was a bit fuzzy around the accountability and metrics, but that's being changed now. But the basic point is that brand marketing, with brand marketing, it's actually a far more efficient way to acquire a customer. Because instead of act- actively competing with all the other brands at the moment of purchase, you're getting them before they're even ready to buy. So that's reason number two. Um, um, just just to throw, play devil's advocate here before we get to reason three, <clears throat> and and just to remind people so far, reason number one for not doing performance for not putting all of your money into performance marketing is it breaks the bank. It costs a lot of money. Uh, number two is that it only targets current customers uh, and not future customers so we'll get on to number three but just to to play devil's devil's advocate could you could you argue that uh whilst it costs more money if you don't do any brand advertising whatsoever any brand marketing whatsoever you're obviously saving money and if you're not investing in future customers but you're focusing on performance marketing you're focusing on current customers who are ready to buy is there an argument that that model does work? And and you started by saying that actually, if you only go with that model, it, it makes you bankrupt. So I'm just curious, just just to sort of challenge you, uh, what you uh, what you what you <laughs> what what you say to that? That was a good one. I like that one. I think my my uh, gentle repost to that, which is, are you saving money from the Super Bowl ad or the billboard? And then therefore you can afford to play more inflationary rates within the performance marketing. I'm sure you can. But I would argue that it's not a question of where are you spending the money? The challenge with my challenge with with, with your challenge is that you're going to run out of customers. Yeah. Because you're only going after the, 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 the 5% who yeah. are ready to buy, who are actively yeah. shopping the category, yeah. you're simply just going to run out of them. And in fact, and in fact, performance marketing is very much, you know, never mind around uh, current customers only. It very rarely focuses on retention as well. That's right. Absolutely. So good. I like your uh, your answer to the challenge. Uh, and, and, and that takes us to point three then of why performance marketing is not the place to put everything into. The last reason is that it uses the wrong message. It's a hard sales message um, rather than a soft sales message. So a hard sales message works for someone who's ready to buy, but you can't take a hard sales message and use that effectively on a cold lead. So if, I don't care whether you say it's 50% off, 60% off, two for one, whatever, download my ebook for, for, for uh to gain all of these interesting insights. If I'm not in the category and I'm not ready to buy and I don't have a need, um, it's just simply the wrong message. And so a brand message, which is a soft sales message, which I'm not trying to push a product, I'm not trying to achieve a specific response from you, where I'm rather I'm just telling a story about the company or, or about my brand, is a far more effective message for those 95% of people who are not actively shopping the category right now. And I think a great example of that is if you think about HSBC. HSBC. Um, 
what is the brand level message? Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to essentially dramatize my positioning. This used, this was a 20 year old example, but I'm going to talk about the world's local bank. I'm going to talk about our capabilities of offering local insights. Why? Because we have this expanded network and I'm going to dramatize that with interesting stories about um, funny things that happen when different cultures come together and do business. Great. That's a perfect message for people who are not actively, you know, looking to open a current account or a business that is trying to do an M&A transaction or what have you. And they run those things. But then they also have very uh, hard level messages, you know, um, you know, low interest rates on a credit card for those who are active in the category. So there's a different type of message and it's a far, there's a different type of game to play, whether you're going after the 5% or the 95%. You just uh, you took you gave uh, an example of shampoo and and products. You've actually just given uh, a financial services example. I was wondering because I know I know that you do a lot of work in the technology space as well. Um, and I was wondering is that is that uh, typically SaaS or what? Tell me more about some of the the technology clients that you work with and the, and the sort of clients that you've got some uh, sweet spots for. We tend to work with clients who traditionally are very skeptical of brand in all its different forms. And I think where we have managed to gain a bit of traction is uh, we've helped heads of marketing who traditionally actually came perhaps from a performance marketing background. We help them um, build the business case for brand. Why? Because we don't talk about brand in terms of, we don't frame it as you know emotions or your purpose or all, any of these kind of Ayurvedic kind of concepts. We, we frame it more in terms of future demand versus current demand. And so what we do, what we tend to do uh, somewhat well is we, we help them build a business case for brand marketing and then take that to the CFO, take that to the CEO to secure budget. And we've managed to do that in industries that tend to be very skeptical towards traditional brand advertising because we can make a bit more of a logical business case for why it's required and why it's a fundamental input to scale profitably and to acquire customers profitably. Uh, and can you give some examples of, of some of the conversations that, or, or some of the, the tactics or things that are, you know, how to build that internal case for brand? Um, you know, is it, is it going along the lines of, of what you've just been talking about, the three reasons? Is it around the sort of 5%, 95%? Or is it, are, there, are there some other things there that we've not quite tapped into? It's pretty much that, but with an added double click, and excuse the consulting, <laughs> but there's an added double click where for businesses that require a bit more convincing, what we'll do is we'll analyze their funnel. And so for, especially for sales driven organizations who understand uh, MQL and SQL, what we can do is we can analyze their sales funnel and measure how efficient is this brand at nudging prospects across the sales funnel. And so we'll say, these are the different steps, you know, it's here's your total addressable market. This is the number of people who are coming to your website. This is the number of people who's downloading the white paper. This is the number of people who's going from the home page to a product page and then who's signing up for a call. And then what we can say is we can, A, identify how efficient, so what is the drop-off? It's almost like a pipe with holes. So how much, you know, if you have 10 customers coming to the website, you know, is one actually uh, signing up for a sales call? And then what, we, what we'll do is we'll frame the investment in brand as an improvement in two parts of the funnel. One is we can more efficiently bring people to the website. It's cheaper. The second thing 
is that that investment in brand, say, for example, if you redo your positioning as well, or if you redo your visual identity, it'll also improve your ability to convert on the website itself. And so what will happen is we've actually shown this is that when a company redoes its positioning, often they'll convert better. The traffic that is coming to the website is going to go book a call. And why? Because one, you're, one, you're, 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 you're telling the story in a far more natural way. You're not trying to, you're not driving them directly to a landing page and say, buy now. And you're doing a bit more of a soft sell. And that, that in, in, in reality is actually a far more effective way to, to, to acquire customers sustainably. So long-winded answer. Um, we talk about three reasons why performance marketing um, can't scale profitably using performance marketing. And then we'll also do analysis on the sales funnel to actually war game what is the expected lift if you were to invest both in brand uh, brand positioning, uh, visual identity, and in brand marketing, and where would you see that lift at different stages of the funnel? And in terms of the way you've described it there, brand marketing is actually building that audience, the more relevant audience, to then do performance marketing to um if that's the right phrase it's it's around it's around taking taking them from the top of the funnel uh lower down one, once they've sort of become aware of the brand and uh, and whatever else so so one of the things that i'm interested in is some of the measurements that because you know there's there's that whole thing of you know how do you measure brand and can brand be measured and 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 you know having an objective uh very smart goals and one of them is brand awareness and you've got you know the head of a finance CFO saying, you know, you can't have that as an objective. Uh, how do you measure? What are the, some of the metrics that you suggest uh, would measure brand? We developed um, essentially a matrix which allowed marketers to track the performance of their various brand ads across the across really the horizon of a campaign. So, if you imagine that there's an x-axis, x-axis this way, and y-axis. <laughs> And so on your y-axis, the main metric we're going to use is what we call percentage of video view. So the way we actually do brand marketing is it tends to be digital first, lots of videos. So you have 60 seconds, you have 30 seconds, you have 15 seconds. And so the metric that we want to use is to what extent are people actually watching the whole video, right? Are they clicking off after two seconds, five seconds, or what have you? And so that metric will tell you how engaging the content is. So that's on your y-axis. And then your, on your x-axis, you have return on ad spend, which is ROAS. So are people clicking on it? And then when they do click on it, do they go and buy something? And so if you set up, you have now four quadrants, right? And you have your two axes, which is percentage of video views, and your, and your uh, x-axis is ROAS. What you'll see is at the start of a campaign, a lot of your ads will be in the top left quadrant. So people will be watching but they won't be clicking. Why? Because it's just like you've met someone for the first time. You're not going to ask them out on a date, right? <laughs> you just want to more judge whether the conversation uh, is interesting and intriguing. So what you'll see is you'll see all the ads in the top left-hand quadrant. But then as the campaign progresses, your advertising should eventually actually move from the top left to the top right to the bottom left, right? And so what's going to happen is you actually have a matrix that allows you to measure different effect, 
different ways of measuring the effectiveness of brand ads across the horizon of a campaign. And the very simple heuristic is at the start of the campaign, you just want to get the name out there, right? You want to get the name out there. You want people to be watching the videos, but towards the end of the campaign, you want them to watch the videos. You want them to click on the videos and go to your website. So that's a very simplistic way of doing it. And then the third um, metric that we use, which we don't actually use within that matrix, is this idea of almost kind of an assist. So in basketball or you know, even football or whatever, um, there's the person who passes and then there's the person who scores. I'd like people to think about performance marketing is the striker who scores, right? Who will convert the actual lead, but they're, they're assisted. They're assisted by the number 10, the number eight, whomever. And that is the role of brand marketing. And so what happens is anyone who actually views, we've proven this out in a number of campaigns, is people who watch the video and are then retargeted with a performance marketing offer, either within the life cycle of a campaign or many quarters later, uh, the performance marketing actually improves its effectiveness. So what we're doing is we're turning a cold lead into a warm one, and then you can, then you can essentially drive a hot offer to a warm lead. So that's the third metric. So the first one is percentage of video view. The second one is ROAS. And the third one is this idea of an assist. So to what extent are we assisting uh, performance marketing and other bottom of the funnel techniques to close the sale? I very much like that quadrant. Uh, I'm quite a visual person and I can see how you could use uh, that to really uh, measure success. Some of the things that I know that you uh, help big brands uh, achieve is is big growth, but on potentially smaller budgets. And so I wanted to just dip into, uh, you know, perhaps you're trying to build brand in a reasonably large organization. Um, and, uh, you know, but you want to, you know, try and get the impact of a, a TV campaign for the fraction of a cost. What are some of the uh, tips or tricks or strategies that you suggest uh, for, for achieving that type of thing? I'm going to answer very tactically, and then I'll go to the bigger strategic levers. So tactically, to answer the last thing that you mentioned, how do you stretch out your brand budgets? There's two ways. Uh, one is we call it the 245 framework, where essentially you can create a year's worth of ads in one shoot, essentially. So we don't go on set thinking that we're going to make one 60-second ad, and then that's great and then we'll do it again in Q3 or Q4. The idea is if you go in with a framework for how do we take all of the output from this production um, from this production investment, and how do we use all of that content across the funnel, you can stretch out your production budgets far, far, far more effectively. So to go back to the 245, what is it? We, we believe that a brand within a year needs no more than say one to two what we call fame builders. And fame builders are your typical anthemic, you know, 40 to 60 second brand spots. From that same fame builder, what you're then going to do is you're going to cut that up into 15 second short stories. And those 15 second short stories, you're going to flight at a, at a, at a higher frequency. And then similarly, you're going to take the static images from that same shoot, and that is going to end up on your... On your, on your organic social, either your paid static performance marketing. So I, what I'd encourage a lot of your um, listeners to challenge some of their, their agencies is if, if, if the entire conversation is, we want to make this kind of docu-soap drama anthemic thing, 
it's going to be played once, usually it's two minutes long, and then nothing else will happen. You really need to challenge them and, and, and say, you know, how are we actually squeezing as much juice out of this investment? Should be thinking of in, in, a, in a single second, uh, in, in a single spot, excuse me. We should be thinking about how those same assets can trickle across the funnel and be used in various different ways. And the kicker is the only way to do that effectively is if you've got your brand strategy sorted out fundamentally. Because if you're thinking beyond just a single spot to what do we have to say over the year? Well, frankly, that, that has to be, that has to mirror the brand framework, the pillars within the brand, the, the brand essence, all of those things. So all of that pre-work needs to be done before. And so what we are advocating is that with a bit of, um, with a bit of pre-planning and with a bit of due diligence, you can get a lot, lot more out of your tactical execution budgets. And I'm hearing that a lot of that is around the planning. So way before you script or storyboard that particular video, it's about, well, I liked what you said. What do we need to say over the next year to all the different types of uh, potential clients, existing, current, uh, and, and new clients, um, in all the different stages of the funnel? Well, exactly, and I think, it, um, and, it, and is it, that achievable? Can you achieve that in one video? Not in one video, but I think you can achieve what, that if you do your brand if you do your brand strategy correctly. So my. My, my big challenge with, with brand take, purpose, in, yeah, yeah. my big challenge with brand purpose is that it is incredibly value destructive because it, it is essential for a number of reasons. One, they're generic and bland by design because you're moving up the benefit ladder and you're going to a place that, that is similar to every other brand category. Two, uh, brand purpose is actually not aligned to the drivers of pur purchase within a category. So say, for example, I want to, I want to, um, I want to choose a bank and there are certain things that make me choose a bank and the bank is instead talking about how it's saving the, the, the ice caps. That is not a driver of purchase, right? So fundamentally an irrelevant message. And the third reason is that all of these, all of these, whenever purpose becomes, it turns into an ad, they're incredibly emotionally limiting. So they're all, if you think about the personality of brand, they're all these soppy commercials that all sound the same, that are kind of tear jerky. And if you think about any brand, there's a range of emotions you need to explore. So that's just the preamble. The second thing is that if you actually look underneath the hood, the best brand positioning frameworks within the actual frameworks have messaging that can work at every stage of the funnel. So when we do brand positioning frameworks, we'll work from, from different business units to, from their different value props, what are the functional and emotional benefits of those different business units? What are the key, what are the business outcomes to the different buyers and building it from the bottom up? And so when you have your brand positioning framework done in a, in a proper way, you essentially have a single source of truth for messaging for sales, for performance marketing, all the way up to brand marketing. And when you indulge in these kind of flimsy concepts like purpose, you're left really with a slogan and a paragraph, which you can't really use um, so to answer your question in a long-winded way, I believe you can create a year's worth of ad in one go if you fundamentally have done um, the work of the proper work of a brand strategy where you're developing really messaging for the entire fund. I, I think that this is a whole other podcast that I could explore with you uh, in terms of uh, in terms of the brand positioning framework and the, the brand strategy. Um, and, I, I, and I love the whole thought of how you could get so much more for your money. 
by having that done and just using that one day of of filming to create you know a, a year's worth of, worth of content uh, uh um yeah really really could impressive be, to caveat that it could be more than one day it's the yeah. idea is in, in one in one shoot um but a hundred percent and i think that's it's hard right it's really hard to do that just and and it challenges marketers to step out of the marketing department it's to build brands with sales teams it's to build brands with product teams that's really hard but um when 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 you do that well i think something remarkable happens which is the marketing team is no longer seen as a coloring in department they're seen as a strategic partner to growth and a lot of our clients have been at their firms for for many many years almost decades frankly um so i think it could be a huge 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 win for a lot of marketers who are hoping to um really leave a legacy and make a mark at some at the firms that they work at Faisal, this has been brilliant. Uh, you've really helped challenge the whole thought of should all the money just be in performance marketing? And and even when I've challenged you, brilliant answer uh, as to why brand is so important. Um, perhaps uh, someone uh, head of marketing or, or head of brand is, is listening right now, watching right now, perhaps wants to continue the conversation with you. What's Where's the best place to find you online, Faisal? Two places. Our website is creativebusinesscompany.com. And then secondly, on LinkedIn, Faisal Siddiqui. I'm there on LinkedIn. Uh, we post a lot. Feel free to kind of follow us and you can read some of our white papers. Uh, and we certainly answer any emails or messages as well. I'll drop the links into the show notes as well. Um, but that's all for now. Thank you so much for watching. Perhaps you've been listening. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the Johnny Ross Fractional CMO. I've been with Faisal from uh, the founder of Creative Business Company, uh, who's joined us today. Thank you so much for watching, for listening. And Faisal, thank you so much for being here. And we will see you all soon. Take care.